Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. Don't worry, it only gets better from here, I promise. Um, okay, so this morning I'm really excited to have a conversation with you all about love, um, which is something that is fundamental to what it means to be a person who is making meaning of life through the life of Jesus. And so uh, before we jump into that, I have a question for you all. That's how this works, right? Okay, I, it's been so long. I'm like, I have a question. A few of you looked at me like, you do? And I was like, oh, we still do that? Uh, okay, a question for you all. What is, it's a really simple Shouldn't take long. Um, so grab a few people around you and answer this question. What's the meaning of love? Or what's love got to do with it? I really, that was a missed opportunity, but it's fine. Uh, I'll be back in a few minutes. This place has gotten fancy. There's like a countdown clock for conversation. It used to just be like, how much more time do you need to prep your sermon in the corner? And that's how long you let people talk for? I was like, well, I'm on the clock? Uh, it's okay. I I prepped. Um, okay, so I am really excited to have this conversation this morning because it's about something that is so fundamental to this journey that most of us are on or have been on or keep returning to. And so uh, we're going to find ourselves in the book of John. I'm going to read it, and then we will get into the conversation. It says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now... Where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay, show of hands, who like grew up pretty evangelical? Yeah, okay, well, more evangelicals than college students for sure. Um, <clears throat> so this is a familiar one, right? Uh, and I was excited to get it. So I love the beginning of this. We're saying like, hey, I'm not going to be here much longer, and, and don't look for me. And then it goes on to say, like, I'll know you're my disciples by how you love, which is like, don't look for me. Look for what I represent, right? And that's been a very important concept for me over the past year and this journey I've been on, right, of, of moving and COVID and so much life transition. I know I'm not the only one. This has been a wild 18 months. And at one point, I feel like I was like, I just need to put a lot of my understanding of God and the Bible and Jesus and faith and spirituality, I need to put it all down and I need to see what's still there. And I need to put it down in a way I never have, and that was like vulnerable and weird, but not that hard because we were stuck in the house anyway. So like you know, I, you went through every existential crisis that you could from like every understanding. You know, I like started reading Descartes at one point. It's like I think, therefore I am. Turning, uh, I know it when I feel it, and I know it when I experience it. And it's not about finding these truths and finding proof and why is the Bible real? And oh my gosh, an archeologist found a piece of wood and, and the fossil of a bird. And so the ark was real. And, and now I can rest easy knowing that my faith is, is secure, right? Anyone else have that like evangelical kid nightmare of like, what if I'm wrong? What if it's all wrong? What if it's all made up? And so you're searching for like actual clues and where's the empty tomb? And actually they found a tomb. They think it might be it. And 
there's like a little bit of blood left on this. Like it's, that doesn't, stop looking. Stop looking for these things. Stop arguing with me about these things. What I know to be true is seeing what this story, what the person of Jesus represents in the world and in other people. That is my experience. That is what I know. Was there a zoo boat? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. If you want to like really argue something about it or like I'm sure Corey is available for coffee to talk, talk all about how the universe started to like whether or not that is even physically possible. Sure, you can argue with Corey, but I would like to live in this reality where I know that these things are real by seeing them be represented in the world, by representing, by, by, by experiencing them. Right? And so when I think about this passage and what I've come to understand and feel to be true about love is that it is this unshakable knowing, unshakable belief in the fundamental goodness of every single human being, myself included. And that if we can see that goodness, then love will be the thing that pours out. It doesn't always look the same, but it looks like knowing that if we are fundamentally good, then at any moment, at any second, we have an opportunity to return to that goodness. And what does that mean for how we live and move in the world? Okay, so before we get too far into this, I just need to have a vulnerable moment and talk about like a real weird guilty pleasure I have. So, for being honest, if I have a few glasses of wine, or like I'm up too late at night and bored, I stalk megachurch pastors on the internet. It's what I do with my time. It usually starts pretty like casual, like an Instagram account, or like the church's Instagram, and then I'll see the tagged pastors, and then I'll go there, and then if it's like, if I'm going really deep, next thing you know, I'm like watching sermons. And it's, 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 a, it's such an... It exposes one of the most unhealed parts of myself. Because as I'm watching this, here's what will happen. It will start off super casual. Um, and by casual, I mean like narcissistic and being like, I wonder if I have more followers than this pastor I used to work with. The work. I'm just, if we can't be honest here, where can we be honest? And then I'll, you know, what are they wearing? Who's... And then I'll watch the sermons and I'm just like reading them for filth. I'm like, yeah, that's why your joke didn't land. You're holding the microphone weird. Those shoes don't even look right. I bet that was a laugh track. Oh, the lasers. Yeah, of course you need the band behind you because you're not doing, wow, theologically doesn't even make sense. You don't even make sense, right? And I'm just like ripping, because here's the, here's the reality, right? I have this narrative in my mind, and I'm not going to say it's wrong or false, but when I, my understanding of, of megachurch pastors and why it makes me so angry and why I dislike it so much is because for all intents and purposes, they're kind of the worst, right? They create these, these machines, these, these things that bring people in and they, and they can't change their beliefs and they have to subscribe to this like brand and they have to do these things. And then theologically, they're like not super sound and actually pretty harmful, but like they don't tell you that and they don't want to tell you where they stand on things even though they have a stance because they want the tithe dollars, but the tithe dollars matter more than people's feelings. So they like don't really say anything. You have to like dig really deep to find everything, but they don't even believe what they say they believe and they don't live like they preach. So then they have to like pad that insecurity with like really nice shoes and like really nice watch and then they like measure success by how many celebrities go to their church or how many scandals they can avoid. I mean, ugh, right? 
And so usually it's at this point in my journey where I am reminded, <laughs> girl, that was you less than 10 years ago. And then I'm like, damn. <clears throat> Let me, I should have just gone to sleep. Um, and that's why I hate it so much. Because here's the reality. If we want to live in a way where we are known by love, where we are known by the reality that we believe in the fundamental goodness of every human being, it has to be true about us. And for a lot of us, there are parts of our journey where we do not see that goodness. The reason it's okay for me to hate those pastors is because I hate that version of myself. I haven't been able to fully sit with that version of myself and forgive her and find compassion for her. When I think about the 25-year-old me getting off of a stage where I just spoke in front of young women telling them not to have sex before marriage, I hate her too. <laughs> I would probably watch that video and be like, your jokes didn't land, you needed a laugh track, your shoes look whack. <clears throat> Because sometimes when we go on this evolutionary journey, as we all have, we are able to understand and wrap our minds around our goodness now, right? My goodness is true about me now, now that I am anti-racist, now that I'm living in my truth as a queer person, now that I'm involved in this super progressive church like New Abbey. Like, we love our New Abbey selves. Our New Abbey selves are really good. But our Calvary Chapel selves... <laughs> I was like, Sammy, I was like, forget inner child work. I need to do inner evangelical work. Like, I really need to get, sit with her and be like, girl, what do, we, what do you need, right? What do we have, how do we have to have this conversation? But it's one of the most important things we can do is to love and find the goodness and remind ourselves of the goodness that existed in all of the versions of ourselves, because it will fundamentally change the way that we find the goodness in the people who are still there. Because the goodness was true. If it's true, it's true. And at any time, we have the invitation and the opportunity to return to it. And you know how I know I'm not fully, fully, fully past that point? Because sometimes, let me tell you what I think about. I think about the pastors I used to work with. And I say to myself, okay, if I woke up tomorrow and they all came out as affirming, and they're like, we were so wrong, and we want to have this big inclusive space, and they're like saying all these things. Still, there's a part of me that's like, no, you don't get to change. You, don't, you, are, you are who you are forever, right? And that says way more about me than anything. That says there are parts of me that I don't still believe are good, even though that was me. I went on that same journey. I got to accept the invitation to continually return to my goodness, to continue to evolve, to come home to myself at every turn. And it's been the most beautiful thing in this current version of myself. I'm obsessed. I love her. She's everything. I mean, she's giving you what you need to be given, right? But her, we've been working through it, right? And here's where I go sometimes, <clears throat> and here's what I hear, and here's what's tricky. So, Because sometimes I'm like, we have to believe in the goodness of these people. I have to believe in the goodness of people who, who, who believed like I did, okay? 
a few years ago, that everyone has this opportunity to return to their goodness. But what does that mean for the reality that there are harmful systems? And these people weren't just like evolving humans, but actual people are losing their lives. They're getting hurt. They're being traumatized. Bad things are actually happening. And how do we balance the two? And I think that is what Jesus is talking about. I think there is a reality that we have drawn a line somewhere between fighting oppressive systems and spreading love. And there was never meant to be that line, but rather the most radical parts of Jesus is him saying, can you smash the patriarchy? Can you fight homophobia? Can you go against white supremacy? Can you attack all these systems? Can you attack all these oppressors? Can you do it all and resist the hate. Can you do that all without hating someone? That's what I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to love everyone, and that means be passive, and you never speak up, and you never do these things. You know, No, I'm saying, can you fight these systems and not hate? I think in the question of, do we fight oppression or do we spread love, Jesus said the answer is yes. Right? And I say this all the time. I don't think that being in touch with our journeys and in touch with our goodness and other people, it doesn't change the work. I think it just changes our approach to the work. We don't take our foot off the gas. Listen, I'm a queer black woman in America. We're not taking our foot off the gas. We need to disrupt these systems. We need to overturn these systems. People need to be held accountable. But what does that accountability look like? Does it look like me understanding, I don't want these mega church pastors to be taken into a town square and read for filth? Sometimes. <laughs> At my best. I want a system of accountability that can offer them the invitation to return to their goodness, to return home to themselves, to evolve in the same kind of invitation that was offered to me through accountability, through really hard conversations, through whatever it is, right? How do we offer that to people and change our approach to the work without changing the work? Some of these systems are, I don't need to tell y'all the damage that has been done, but how do we, in finding our own goodness, allow ourselves to extend the invitation in a way that both fights oppression and resists hate because I do believe that our resistance to hate is the greatest act of resistance that we have. And that's the hardest one. You know what I love? This is my favorite thing. I love the internet. Not popular opinion. Um, but there's something funny that happens on the internet which I have fully been a part of. Like, have you ever learned something and then two hours later, you're like in the comments, like teaching everyone? <laughs> You're like, you've never read blah, 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 but it's a book you just ordered. Like, it hasn't even gotten to your house. I'm like, you haven't read this book, right? We like it. We are. I literally, have you ever had someone get mad at you because you just found out about a band that had already existed? It's like this weird thing. Like, we went to the Her concert last night. Shout out to Her. And, um... Yeah, we were talking about music on the way there, and there was like an artist mentioned, they're like, oh, do you like so-and-so? And they're like, oh, I never heard of him. You never heard of him? Like, it's mad. You know what I mean? I'm like, what? Can we acquire new information and then act accordingly? Right? Because that, is that a thing that we are able to do? Right? 
But there's something in us that wants to, as soon as we change or as soon as we evolve, just burn those things, and now we're this person, and now I've only ever been this person, right? And I think if we want to represent what Jesus is telling us to represent, if we want to represent a world where there is not a line drawn between fighting oppressive systems and loving people and seeing their goodness, then we have to come to terms and do our own inner work of whatever version of ourself we creep on the internet. It doesn't translate to probably everyone, but that's my personal one that I do. Okay, so let's talk about drag queens. Because um, I can't have a conversation lately without talking about how much I love drag queens and how they're probably the most important people in our entire society. So um, in quarantine, we were late adopters, but we got obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. Any Drag Race fans in the house? Yes. Okay. Great. Uh, for the rest of you, you got seasons. There's a lot. Of, there's 13. You could catch up. Um, and so we got like really, really obsessed because we've all been in our house and we've watched more TV than we've ever watched in our entire lives. And I don't know what that's going to do to us long term, but we watched all RuPaul's Drag Race. And then we went to like Drag Race UK and then like Drag Race Down Under because we've watched all the seasons. Um, and I'm like very, very much obsessed with these queens. And so everything about the show is perfect. And I'm, and I'm sure 90 more sermons from me will come out about drag queens. But um, there is something so beautiful and magical that started happening to me when we started watching the show, which I wasn't expecting. Because you see these queens and their talent and, and their, their charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent uh, from our Drag Race fans um, in, in everything that they're doing. And you're watching the show, and it's entertainment. But then something started happening to me. It's like at certain moments, I started to feel uncomfortable. And I was like, yes, what is that? What are you hitting on, right? Because the reality is, when you see someone so outwardly live in a freedom that doesn't exist somewhere in you, it excavates it quickly, right? So I'm watching these queens, and I'm, I'm watching the show, and there's parts of me that are like, huh, right? Or like, why do I, what do I think about gender? What am I still holding on to? What, what parts of me aren't free? What are, what, what are they excavating in me, excavating in me, that I don't know about, that, that they're inviting me to, to a new level of freedom in, right? And that's why I continually believe and, and, and will believe for a long time that drag queens and uh, non-binary folks, gender non-conforming trans folks will be leading the way. And we owe them such a debt of gratitude for the way that they show up to say, oh, you thought there was a line? You thought there were lines? I, I don't exist, and while you're spending time trying to put me in a box, I've just transcended. And I'm out here doing death drops on stage and collecting all the dollars while you're still trying to put me into a category. It's so beautiful. I get chills just thinking about it. Watching someone say, here were the boxes you thought you were given. I just transcend all of them, and I'm living in that. What does that do for you? When we see people living into that, it gives us the opportunity to live into it ourselves. In all of those lines, I think all the time, why does it feel, as someone who cares about social justice, as a queer person, as a black person, as a woman, as all of these things, why does it feel like there's a line of I'm either doing the work or I'm loving people? Why, why does it feel like I have to put myself into one of those boxes? And if I'm advocating that people are good and they can evolve and I'm not doing enough work, and if I'm doing the work, then, then people can't be good? Am I good? 
Was I good? Was 25-year-old me good? Will I see me as good in five years when I'm sure I will learn a hell of a lot more than I know now? Do I get to be good, right? How many people in here would say they are anti-racist? <laughs> right? <laughs> that was a test. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. Right? We all would. But were you good before you knew what you knew now? Or do you feel like you are earning your goodness as you go throughout your life? Because if you have to earn your own goodness, then everyone around you is going to have to earn it from you too. And that's when we get stuck in a lot of spots we ain't supposed to be in based on this. Right? That's when you start... We're not going to know you by, by your love and by, by believing in that goodness. We're going to know you by how many points you give people based on what words they know and do they say it right and how long have they been saying it and what books have they read and are they a part of the, right? Let's stop with all, I call it progressive amnesia, right? I'm <laughs> like, girl, what? <laughs> two, two, two years ago... We were saying the same thing, right? And now you want to pretend like, you, you've known this all along? No, I remember before you knew this, right? If we don't have that progressive amnesia, if we can connect to that reality and then connect that to our goodness, we can do so much in the world. There was never a line between fighting oppressive systems and loving people. There was never a line between when your goodness was offered to you and when it's not, when it was true about you and when it wasn't. If we can eradicate that line, if we can take some lessons from people who don't fit in any boxes, if you can see your goodness transcend every evolution of who you are, then you can offer that same thing to people. And then I actually think we might get a little bit farther in the work. Don't get me wrong. I love people just going off in a comment section. But... Right? What does it look like to live as an invitation to the reality that you know, that you believe to be true? Again, it doesn't change the work. It changes our approach to the work. It changes us as people. It changes the way we fight. It changes the way we love. It changes all of these things. And it's so important because we need some change. Sometimes I'm looking, I'm like, is this, is this just what we're going to do? And we're just going to do it? Or can we look at our lives? I literally sat down, and I, I, I was, we stayed with a friend uh, two nights ago, and we've been friends since I was 17 and she was 18. So, girl, we have seen it. And um, I, like, had this flashback moment that I hadn't thought about in a while, but I remember one time another one of our friends asked us, she was like, what do you guys think about gay marriage, okay? This is back before it was... Um, le legal? Wow. Yeah, I was like, legal? Is that the right... Yeah, before it was legal. And I was like, ah, oh, no, I don't really. She was like, yeah, me either. Like, we, you know what I mean? Like, both of us together were like, no, we don't think it's, it's, it's right. Okay? You know, we're like 18, 19. Um, <laughs> she was at my wedding. It's fine. We all, you know. <laughs> but that's the reality that I'm in, I, I'm in touch with that part of myself. I know that that was me. 
And I know that I, I know what it feels like to believe that. If I know what it feels like to believe it, then it should change the way I interact with the people who believe it now. Not that I'm not holding accountability, not that I'm not critiquing, not that I'm not educating, but that I'm believing that at any moment they are available to accept the invitation to evolve just like I accepted the invitation to evolve. And that's different if we believe that to be true about the world, it changes the way we fight these systems. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from James Baldwin, as if you can pick a favorite. Um, but it goes, I imagine the reason that cling, people cling so tightly to hate, so they fear once the hate is gone, they'll be forced to deal with pain. <laughs> right. <laughs> James, what? <laughs> I imagine the reason people cling so tightly to hate is because they fear once the hate is gone, they'll be forced to deal with pain. And that is the best place to start to get yourself in a position to be known by how you love other people. To deal with your own pain that is under all of our hate. To sit with my inner evangelical self and work things out to a point. Do you know how painful it is to know that like, I had friends come out to me and I said the wrong thing? I did that. That is painful to me now to remember. I was an, I was an RD at a Christian college with a dorm of like 250 college age girls. It is painful to me to think about conversations that I had with them that were so skewed on so many levels. That is painful. That is a painful reality, but it is one that if I can keep in touch with, then I pray to God it changes my approach to people, to the work, and that I can start doing this and being known by what I represent. I will find Jesus by what I see represented, by what I represent, not by how many people have to earn some kind of badge and get to a place before they are good. And that's painful, and I don't think that's bad. I think connecting to that is the single most important thing I do in my work, is by remembering how much I hated that. And then sitting with her and remembering that at that point, my goodness was also present. And how do I reconcile that? That's the messy work. None of this is easy. None of this is clean lines. It was never supposed to be clean lines. That's not what we signed up for. You can find the clean lines at Calvary Chapel. <laughs> I don't know. That's my second Calvary Chapel joke, and I don't even know where that came from, it's fine. <laughs> and sometimes I, I think about, I was telling my therapist, I was like, it's kind of nice to like believe in something that's just like already laid out for you. You know what I mean? Like for those of you who maybe like were in a more conservative, like wasn't it kind of nice? Like you're just like, here's what, here's what to believe. Here's what, not, here's what to do, here's what not to do. If you check this list, then you're gonna go to heaven. And if you don't, and you're like, okay, cool. Like, just make it easy for me. It's not, it's not really internal. It's just like more this list. And you're like, I could do a list, right? Granted, that's all wrong. But the simplicity of it was like intriguing because without that, the reality of it is messy and nuanced and changes and is painful and is great and is happy and is sad and is all of the things and is every emotion. Um, and I think that's the beautiful part about it.
And so as we go on being people who want to practically live out what it means to love someone as Jesus has loved us, I think we see Jesus again and again and again offer everyone in every situation an opportunity to return to their fundamental goodness. Hey, you want to stone this woman because she did something, but remember you did something too? How can you sit with that reality? What does that look like moving forward? Right? And so as we all leave this place this morning, how do we have an opportunity to return to our own goodness, to believe in our goodness in every iteration of ourselves? and how does that change the, our approach to the work that we do outside? How does it change our relationships with people who aren't where we are but are where we were, are where we have been? How do we allow ourselves to sit with what it felt like to be there, to, to grapple with our goodness? And what does that mean moving forward? And, and how does it impact people who are so much farther down the road than us, right? I was just saying the other day, I'm like, I used to be radical because I believed that men and women were equal. And it was like, whoa. And now people are like, you believe in gender? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, cool, yeah, no. I get it, I get it. The needle's always moving. <laughs> it's always going to be moving. There's people out here, there's people back here, you find yourself in the middle and you have to reconcile your journey and you have to keep that in mind as you interact with other people. And I think that will get us much farther in our journey to trying to create what Jesus wanted to create, which was this world where these lines don't exist and there's no hierarchy, there's no oppression, there's no, <laughs> there's no top and there's no bottom, but there's no, you know, there's no <laughs> oppression. Everyone is available. Um, let me get out. I gotta get out of here. Um, you know, what was the word I'm looking for? The first shall be last. Whatever. You got the point. <sighs> Ruined my flow, but that's the point, basically. You know, um, but it is. I think Jesus is, is one of the most radical, radical teachers that we could ever learn from. Not in in the ways of oh, these miracles and these things, right? In the way of, oh, I'm going to propose a counter-narrative to fight every oppressive structure and system, and I'm going to do it all while resisting hate. Man, if we could be a part of that, I'm down, but it takes work. It takes confronting pain. It takes confronting journeys. So um, that's kind of a bummer to end on, but I'm done. So... Um, <laughs> I love you all, and I forgot how it ends. Oh, that's right, okay. <clears throat> I have a question for you all. Um, what version of yourself do you need to believe is good? Grab the same three or four people and discuss. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.